Today on Your Money, Your Wealth podcast number 404, Joe and Big Al clarify once and for all those five-year Roth clocks for withdrawing money from your Roth accounts. Just how do the five-year rules impact the taxation of dividend income? Do they impact TSP to Roth conversions as well? Plus, why contribute to a Roth in the first place and lose today's tax savings? Joe and Big Al rise to that challenge, and they discuss Roth conversions and required minimum distributions from an inherited IRA. Array. Visit yourmoneyyourwealth.com and click Ask Joe and Big Al on air to send in your money questions. I'm producer Andy Last, and here are the hosts of Your Money, Your Wealth, Joe Anderson, CFP, and Big Al Clopine, CPA. Um, we've got Alisa, 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 yep. E-L-I-S-A. That's not Alisa. That's like Elisa. Alisa. It could be Alisa or it could be Alisa. I like Alisa better. Okay. Fremont, California. Hey, Joe, Big Al. Still worried about the five-year conversion rule. Former Fed employee converting TSP traditional every year since 2020, age 63. I keep reading. Five-year rule applies to each and every conversion. In the clock, start for each one. Please clarify the conflicting info once and for all. I drive a 2020 Honda Inside and have a Yorkie Poodle. Red wine, please. Love the show. You make finance fun. Um, she's sixty, or at least size sixty-three. So that's correct. Oh man, the five-year clock rule again. Here, let me <laughs> let me try. You always do it. You can correct me. Okay. So, so here's maybe how to think about it. There, there is the the the, the origin of the five-year clock is that when you set up your first Roth IRA. Right. And when you withdraw the money from that IRA, it's got to, it got to, it has to season for at least five years before you, you withdraw the income or growth. You can always withdraw the, the principal if it's a contribution. Right. Now you have to wait till 59 and a half for this or to five ma- years, whichever's longer, whichever's longer. Exactly. Yeah. So, but the, con- the conversions, it's like, well, there, you, you know, when you take money out of an IRA and you're younger than 59 and a half, you have to pay a 10% penalty. So what the IRS did, they, they came in and said, you know what, if, if, you, if you convert money to a Roth IRA and then pull it out the next day, well, that's a way to avoid the 10% penalty. So they came up with this rule that if you do conversions when you're younger than 59 and a half, you have got to wait five years for every single conversion to be able to get access to the principal part. Right. The income and growth has to be five years or 59 and a half, whichever is longer. But the principal part, that's why they have that rule. Once you once you get to 59 and a half, that rule doesn't apply because you can pull principal out on a conversion at any time you want. You still have to wait the five years for growth and income unless you already had a Roth. If you already had a Roth, that that clock already started when when you started your first Roth IRA. So at age at age 63, you can do conversions all you want, right? And assuming that you already had a Roth IRA five years ago, you do a conversion. Next day, you could pull the whole thing out, right? Even if it grew on that day. Uh, or if you haven't started a Roth and the conversion is going to be your first Roth IRA, well, you got to wait five years to 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 pull any uh, growth and income out. You can always pull principal out because, we'll go back to this, because you're over 59 and a half, we don't have to worry about that 10, 10% penalty rule. 
And I will say, um, Alyssa or Elisa, whichever, um, it is confusing, the literature, because a lot of the literature does not specify that that fact <laughs> that this only applies to if you're under 59 and a half. It just goes in with that rule. And Joe, I know you've taught before and people have challenged you on that in class. Well, I just read you're wrong. And it's like, then we have to go through this whole thing again. But that's that is the that's the straight skinny. Yeah. If you there's two clocks because people took advantage of the rule, right? People converted their money and then took it out the next day and was like, I'll pay the tax, no biggie, but I get, I avoided a, a 10% penalty. And so the IRS is like, oh, damn it. Now we got to <laughs> come up with another rule, right? Yeah. So that's why each conversion has its own five year clock until you turn 59 and a half. And hopefully this will be the last time we'll have to do this, but I doubt it. Um, we do have a white paper on this. Here's an example. Let's say Elisa put in $5,000 into a Roth IRA at age 50. Then she converts money at age 58. Well, that conversion would have to wait five years or, to, or until she turns 59 and a half is how it's read. Instead of saying you have to wait two years. You know, because it's not a five-year clock. She's 58. She turns 59 and a half, let's say, in a year and a half. So she really has a year and a half clock on that conversion. Right. But so it's to, five to pull, years yeah, or sorry. 59 and a half to take the money out from a principal standpoint. But now she's 60. That conversion's only been alive for two years. But she established a Roth IRA 10 years ago. So. You're she's good on everything on everything. <laughs> right. So because she satisfied the five year clock at age 50 and then so she satisfied the other five year clock because it's five years or 59 and a half on the conversion. So each conversion has its own five year clock until you turn 59 and a half. And then that five year clock basically goes away. Yeah. And here's another way to say it. Let's say you're 58. You do the conversion. You hit 59, you you need the money. You got to get it out. There, you just there's no other choice. You got to get it out. You didn't make it to 59 and a half. You will pay the tax on the on 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 pulling money out as well as the um 10% penalty. Now you you, you actually paid the tax on, on doing the conversion back when you did it at 58, but you will have to pay the 10% penalty when you're 59 because you weren't 59 and a half. All right. Hopefully that helps. Thanks, Elisa. We got Wendy writes in from New York. Hi there. I really enjoy your show. I listen to it on my way to work in rural New York. I'm 58 and plan to work until 70. I'm a federal employee for over 20 years. I have a traditional and Roth TSP. My husband has a Roth IRA. My question is about the TSP and how to plan ahead for Roth conversions from my TSP to an outside Roth IRA. My plan is to open up a Roth IRA with nominal contribution. When, uh, then start doing uh, Roth conversions when I'm 59 and a half. Am I right that if I open a Roth IRA now, that would start the five-year clock at my first contribution? Do I have it right that my TSP Roth does not count as a Roth IRA for the purposes of starting the five-year clock as it applies to the rules for distributions from a Roth IRA? Really hope this makes sense. Thanks. Yeah, Wendy's on it. Yeah, that's a really good question. So she's 58. She's going to work until 70. Um, 
Okay, then she's going to start doing Roth conversions at 59 and a half. I wonder why she picked 59 and a half. Well, I bet she's thinking that you have to be over 59 and a half to avoid the penalty, which is not true. You can do a Roth conversion at any age. You don't have to be 59 and a half. Okay. That's my guess. That's my guess. Yep, that's a, that's a good answer. Um, So she could do conversions now. That's right. But she would have to probably do an in-service withdrawal out of the TSP. Yeah. Um, well, may, maybe that's the limiting factor. Maybe there's no in-service withdrawals till 59 and a half in the TSP. I forget what that rule is. I don't think so. I think you can do a one-time in-service from can that. You? Yeah. Okay. Um, so let's say she puts it in the IRA, not saying that she should do that, uh, <clears throat> but let's say she does. Then she could do conversions right away if that's really what her plan is. Right. Um, so 59 and a half doesn't necessarily, I guess the point is I wanted to get that across that for all the other listeners out there, you don't have to be 59 and a half to do a Roth conversion. Uh, but she is correct. You open up a Roth IRA, you put a couple of bucks in, um, you know, we're hitting in November. And so the five-year clock would start January 1st of 2022. So yes, you could put a dollar in there. And then when you start doing conversions at 59 and a half or 60 or whatever, um, you are good to go. Your five-year clock started uh, the year the first dollar went into the Roth. The in-service yeah. withdrawal from a TSP is beginning at age 59 and a half. Okay. I knew it. Would, there was some nuances there. Yep. Okay. Anything else on that one? Maybe explain why does the Roth, the TSP, the Roth and the TSP not count <laughs> for your five-year clock? Well, why, yeah. why is that? Oh, well, I guess it, I mean, it, it would, it, it would count for the Roth TSP five-year clock, but well, not sure. necessarily the Roth IRA, right? Because you got a TSP or a 401k. Those are different animals than the Roth IRA. So they each have their own sets of rules. So start a Roth IRA. And then when you roll your Roth TSP into the Roth IRA, that will satisfy it. So sometimes people think, all right, I'm going to roll it into the Roth IRA and then have access to it. You would have access to the, the dollars that you put in. It's FIFO tax treatment, first in, first out. So whatever how, how, contributions. How about in a TSP? Can you do a Roth conversion in plan? I, I believe you can now. Before they were super restricted. I know they changed the rules on the TSP just a few years ago in regards to distributions. Now you can take multiple distributions a year um, and some other things. But um, in our plan conversions, I don't know the answer to that. And that's something I think uh, Wendy would have to figure out on her own. Kiplinger calls investing in a Roth account one of the smartest money moves a young person can make. But those five-year Roth clocks are tricky, as shown here. So make sure that you understand them thoroughly before you make any further moves. Learn the where, when, and how of taking money out of your Roth accounts when you download our free guide on the five-year rules for Roth IRA withdrawals. Your age, when you make contributions and conversions, and the IRS order of Roth IRA withdrawals, all of those things impact your access to that money in your Roth accounts, so this is one guide you will want to keep handy. Click the link in the description of today's episode in your favorite podcast app to go to the show notes and get downloading. We got uh, Champ Cam. Champ Kind. Kind. I wasn't going to correct you, but that, this time... <laughs> no, sorry. That, that one's too obvious. A little Champ Kind from Washington. That's um, a little anchorman. Yeah. Sportscaster, right? Wapow. Wapoo. <laughs> Whammy, whammy, whammy. <laughs> there it is. Yep. yep. Coming back. All right. Hey, guys. <laughs> my friends have been uh, pestering me about contributing to my Roth 401k. I'm currently uh, married and make $150,000 combined at the age of 33. Whammy. <laughs> 
<laughs> All right, you, you could get away with it. <laughs> Hell of a job there. Uh, <laughs> we plan to retire uh, when our retirement accounts get 2.5 million. Um, in our mid sixties, the guy's 33. He's like, all right, 30 years, going to get two and a half million. Uh, we will then plan to, uh, to withdraw a hundred thousand dollars a year and receive $50,000 a year in social security. This will match our current income of $150,000. I'm not following the math on why I should contribute to Roth. Well, I, I can tell. Yeah. There's a I'm, couple I'm, things missed here. <laughs> I'm trying to follow your math. <laughs> on your overall financial plan here. Uh, we contributed to the traditional 401k today. This saves us money in our marginal tax bracket at 22%. When we withdraw the money in retirement, we'll pay taxes at our effective rate. Okay. Well, you're paying taxes on your effective rate today too, uh, which we would expect to be lower than 22% at this lower income level. What am I missing? Why would I lose the tax savings at a marginal rate today to save taxes at an effective rate in the future? Thanks so much for all the spitballing. All right. Let's kind of break this down for our friend. Okay. Jim. So they're they're making 150,000 uh, right now. He's 30 uh, at age age 33, uh, which is great. And married couple hundred and then plan to retire uh, when our accounts at 2.5 million in our mid 60s. So as you say, yeah, call it 30 plus years from now. Okay. Mm -hmm. So let's see, plan to withdraw a hundred thousand a year and receive 50,000 years of social security. Okay. That, that's all good. What about inflation? Uh, I don't know what you're spending right now, but let's just say you're spending, I don't know, even if you're spending a hundred right now, what, what's that going to be? <laughs> what's that going to be Joe in, in 30 years, probably two fifty. A hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. If you're spending uh, that today. Okay. 30 years from now. Yeah. What inflation rate you want to use? Uh, we use what? 3.8? Let's call 3.5. Okay. Future value of that is 280,000. So you're probably going to be spending 280. In fact, probably if you've done a good job saving, my guess is you want to spend a little bit more than that because you're going to have more time for travel, more time for this and that. Right. So the fact that you've got, you're able to withdraw 150, that's great. Fantastic. But that's not going to cover your current lifestyle. And then with inflation, it changes tax rates. It changes all kinds of stuff. Remember, we're probably in the lowest tax rates we're going to see for some time. Although, you know, we've been saying that for a long time, but it seems right now, Joe, because we've had such higher tax rates, at least throughout my career, this is really actually as low as they've been. And they're scheduled to go up in 2025. And the fact that our government still is in debt likely will probably go up at some point in the future. So tax rates will probably go up. So, so yeah, I think inflation's missed here. And what, what the, what, what the real spend, what the real need is, how much you're saving to produce whatever kind of income you need. And if you can have, um, some of that in Roth, in fact, even a lot of it in Roth, you'll be in a much better position tax-wise in the future. Okay. So let's just, let's look at this the opposite way. Okay. The present value of $150,000, right? So let's just look at, he's saying, hey, I'm going to produce $150,000 of income in 33 years. Okay. And what, what's that in today's dollars? 50 grand. 50 grand. So, so can you live on that, can you live on 50? So yeah, if I'm looking at this and say, all right, champ, if you're if you're living off of fifty thousand dollars a year, then okay, then your strategy is sound. And at fifty thousand dollars of let's say taxable income, you're probably going to be in a lower tax bracket. 
for sure. But if you want to maintain your same lifestyle, then your 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 math is wrong. Your plan is 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 wrong. But because you're right, he forgot inflation, yeah. and then where's tax rates going to go? And then he's looking at effective and marginal rates. Well, you're still taxed at your effective rate in retirement. Yeah. Someone's going to be taxed at 10, 12, 22, or someone's going to be taxed at 10, 15, 25, 28, whatever the rates go. Yeah. If alternative minimum tax come back like it's supposed to, it could be kind of an effective 35% rate. The other thing too is don't, don't forget that all things being equal, you probably will make more at age 43 than 33, and you'll probably make more at age 53 than 43 and so on. So you're likely going to be making more and you're going to be paying higher taxes. You're probably going to get used to a higher lifestyle. So you, you have to factor all these things in. When you're young, especially young in a down market, you want to get as much money as you can in a Roth IRA. It's kind of like a no-brainer if you if you consider all the financial variables. What One last thing, and then I'll, then I'll drop this. Think about it like this. The Roth IRA is going to be able to help you control your taxes in retirement. Okay. And what I mean by that is that you're going to have different areas to pull from because if all of the money that you have this $2.5 million that you're going to save and all of that is in a retirement account. And now your champ is getting a little fancy with us because he's going, he's switching back and forth from marginal and effective. So if you think, and, and I like where you're going with that because the effective rate is, is adding your tax right to your income or, or dividing your tax into your income, marginal rates, you're, you're taxed on a marginal rate. You're going to be taxed a little bit at each of the different marginal rates. So if you think of it like this to say, hey, as I start pulling money from retirement and right now he's in the 22% tax bracket, is there a way that he could stay in the 12% tax bracket in retirement but have higher income? And that's true if you have diversification in your investments from a tax perspective. If you have money in a Roth IRA, you're never, ever going to be taxed on those again because you've already paid your 22% tax on it. And then when you start pulling money out, and let's say tax rates go up or if they stay the same, right? So you're going to pull money from your retirement account and you're going to pay whatever tax on that. But then if you have, if you need additional needs or you want more cash flow, or you, you want to go on a bigger trip, you want to do a, buy a car, you want to whatever, you have money in other areas that are not going to be taxed at all. It's going to give you a ton more control over your lifetime. Last point for champ. So if I'm looking at this, let's say he saves $10,000, right? Okay. Well, hold on. He's got $150,000 in a retirement account, right? He makes 150. Oh, that's right. I don't know how much he's got in a retirement account. No, he doesn't uh, say. Okay. So let's just say he has $150,000 in a retirement account. Okay. And he was in the 22% tax bracket, and that's what his savings was on that $150,000. Yep. Okay. So that's $33,000 of tax savings that he received over the years by putting that money into the 401k and getting a tax deduction. Sure. Can you follow that? Yep. Andy, you with me? Yep. All right, good. <laughs> so now he's got $2.5 million. And now he's got to pull that money out and he's going to be taxed, right? On the 2.5? Yep. That's right. And so let's just say he's in the 12% tax bracket. Well, he's going to pay Damn. 550 grand. 550. 2.5 at 
22%. No, that's, oh, I, thought, I thought you did it, 12%. Well, yeah. Well, at 22 percent, it's 55 or 550,000. Yeah. Keep it apples to apples. Yeah, yeah. And two five at 12 percent is 300 grand. Yeah. Okay. So he saved 30,000 in the 22 percent tax bracket. It grows to 2.5 million dollars, and then he, and then he pulls the money out, and let's say he pulls it out at a lower rate at 12 percent. He's going to pay 300 thousand dollars in tax. Right. And if he pulls $2.5 million, I know a lot of people are thinking I'm stupid by going through this example. And I know if you're going to pull $2.5 million on a retirement account, you're going to be in a hell of a lot higher tax bracket than 12%. But over his lifetime, if he stayed in that 12% tax bracket, that's the amount of money that he's going to be paying tax. So the tax deduction that he receives, he has to pay back in the future with interest because there is no free lunch. You get a tax deduction today. But 100% of those dollars are going to be taxed when the money comes out. Either they're going to be taxed when you withdraw to spend it, or they're going to get forced out within an RMD, or you're going to pass away and your spouse is going to pay it, or your kids are going to get hammered with it. So don't get so caught up at, oh, well, I'm going to be in this bracket and in that bracket, hard, hard, hard. right? Where me? <laughs> <laughs> I got it. We got to take a break. Whatever. I hope that my, my point is made, champ, kind. Go watch Inkerman, folks. For if you never got what the hell we were talking about in this inside joke, it's it's that was the stupid catchphrase. <laughs> Let's go, Elias Lee. Elias is that what? Elias or Elias? Yeah, Elias. in California. Uh, greetings, Joe. Big Al, Andy. I found your podcast about a year and a half ago, and I love it. It's been helping me to avoid overlooking details as I transition into retired life. My preferred ride is a zero. SRS. And I, I looked drink- it up. It's an electric motorcycle. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. SR slash S zero. Yep. I drink a bit of VSOP cognac with dessert. Oh, a little VSOP. Al, I could see you drinking a little VSOP. No, I'll stick with the beer and wine. Got it. <laughs> and occasion- right. occasional Mai Tai. Well, all right. This is really long. So bear with me, folks. If you need somebody to help uh, with the reading, we could one of us could take over. Oh, I got this. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I have questions about Roth conversions. Great. I recently <laughs> retired. My wife stopped working a while ago. I'm 63. She's 59. I wasn't planning for early retirement, but I could no longer find satisfaction with the situation at work. While exploring my options, I realized that a few years ago, we already reached the threshold where our wealth was increasingly by more than the amount of my income. I started reinvesting my brokerage and retirement accounts to prove to myself that dividends could provide sufficient income and began began the dream of being a full-time caregiver to our current pack of rescue dogs for the remainder of their lives. Oh, that's very nice of... That is nice. My retirement income has been provided... By systematic surrender of a life insurance policy, increasingly from automatic or manual transfers of dividends from the holdings in an IRA and 401k in traditional brokerage to our checking account. Now for the Roth questions. Would we benefit from systematically converting my retirement holdings to Roth accounts? There are three issues in particular I need to understand. How does the five-year rule impact the taxation on our dividend income sources? Okay. Uh, would I be subject to the pro rata rule? 
such that there is no way to keep the Roth sourced dividends in the retirement account while I take out pre-tax sourced dividends as ordinary income. Given that my IRA is still on track to annually pay over 10% of the account value in dividends, is this the magic beanstalk IRA? I think so. 10% big Al. I like that. Yeah, that's uh, that's good. That's that's very high. <laughs> that's le- that's legit. Uh, uh, will RMDs not be an issue until I'm over 90? So he's anticipating 10% out of the account until he's 90. Is that right? Okay. Yeah, because right. right, because he's he's pulling he's he only wants to take out the, the income, the dividends. Oh, the dividends and the dividends are paying 10%. Yeah, yeah. So he's he's good. <laughs> Yeah, he he is good. Let's see how long he goes. Okay. Probably, probably. Yeah, but yeah, that's about right. About ninety. All right. So at ninety, is, is your RMDs ten percent? Yeah, you got to take a little more. Okay. <laughs> All right. I read. Actually, ninety. Yeah, the year you turn ninety-four. All this right. Way. <laughs> I read at irs.gov that my wife, as sole beneficiary, can assume ownership of the IRA account, both Roth and traditional. Is that the same for four hundred one k's? Uh, yes, I prefer that she can just assume ownership and continue any automatic distributions of the dividends I put in place. Are there any other issues I should consider uh, besides that you're not going to get 10% forever? <laughs> that would be amazing if that were, were true. Bonus question. Considering Social Security benefits, uh, which I'd use as a contingency source of funds, Is there a minimum age by which I must file or apply, even if it ends up that I never need the extra income? Our account balances are roughly $675,000 in the 401k. He's got $10,000 in a Roth, $610,000 in an IRA, $330,000 in a brokerage account, $20,000 in I-bonds, (laughs) $32,768 in a stable coin interest-bearing accounts. 15K in T-bills, 50K in checking and savings, and $125,000 HELOC. Are you able to keep track of all that, Big Al? I'm trying. So as for the question about minimum age to file for Social Security, there's no point in filing after age 70, right? Correct. Yeah. So that would be a maximum age, but in terms of minimum, minimum is age 62, correct? Correct. That's correct also. Okay. You You take it to 62, it's a lower benefit for life. So we got, we well, got, he doesn't one. mean the money. He says he's, he's good. Well, he's living off the dividends, 10%. 10%. Some, he gets some fat <laughs> dividends. All right. You, Our monthly you, expenses are $12,000, including taxes and gifting. Philanthropy. <laughs> philanthropy. philanthropy. Very, very good. You got it. Excess income is reinvested to mitigate inflation. Oh, he's got excess income. Right. A little more about me. Can't wait. <laughs> My brokerage of choice is TD Ameritrade, okay? Especially because of their income estimator. Oh, I know what he's doing now. My favorite analysis is seeking alpha premium. My self-directed retirement accounts have more holdings than some people would consider to be reasonable. At least I can say. (laughs) Not saying people. He's not saying, I guess. At least I can say that the complete failure of one stock or fund would have a manageable effect on our income. The accounts include a mix of dividend income funds, REITs, little BDCs, dividend growth funds, highly rated growth and value stocks. I'm keeping records to annually reevaluate the holdings. I also own one stock from the business where I worked prior to the last one in one stock in a company that shares my name. Okay. 
That means his company, I think. I think so, huh? Yep. Maybe that's why he's getting 10%. His, well, his name could be Shell, <laughs> right? It could be Shell Oil. <laughs> I have to see if there's a company called Leas. Yeah. Our trust wills, healthcare proxies, and part of attorney documents are done. Thank you for your help. Lias, Leas from California. All right. So he needs $12,000 a month. And right. he's got, I don't think he's got more than 2 million bucks. Yeah, he's got 1.3 million in deferred, and he's probably got call it 500,000 in other ish. 1.8. We'll we'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Two million, Joe. Wow. Okay. <laughs> His distribution rate's got to be what seven percent? Yeah, because he's not collecting Social Security, and he needs twelve thousand dollars. And he's he's saying that's covered by the income, right? So anyway, twelve into 144, 12 months divided by. Yeah, that's yeah, seven point two percent. You're right. Okay, so seven percent distribution rate. Yeah, that's but what he's we're... he's buying dividend because he's 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 got the income estimator. Yeah, and so let's just look at these high flying dividend paying stocks, and I'm going to buy them due to the yield or the income. Right. Yeah, because then you get to live off the income and you still own the stock. What's wrong with that? Until that whole thing blows <laughs> up like a house of cards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, whenever you get that kind of dividend return, there's there's some risk there. Just be aware of that. Uh, risk and return are related a little bit. Yeah, I, I remember. Now this isn't a stock, but the most extreme example I remember is remember the Puerto Rican bonds that were paying thirty percent, thirty five percent per year. Yeah. It's like, yeah, that's great until they went bust and you didn't get your money back. Correct. So hopefully you owned it three years, so you re- recovered at least your money. So he's talking about Roth conversions. Let's answer yeah. that question. Yeah. So- okay. He's a little confused on a couple of things, um, but it, it's a really good question. So we can kind of help our listeners out is that he wants to do some conversions and he's curious if he took money from the Roth, because what he's doing is he's taking the dividend, right? He's the dividends are being distributed to his checking account. And then he's living off of that as his paycheck. So he's not selling any shares. He's not doing anything like that. So the dividend comes due. Um, the the custodian automatically distributes that to his checking account, and it's coming from his retirement accounts or brokerage accounts or whatever. And he's like, hey, if I buy these these great dividend-paying stocks in my Roth, A, what I get, what's the five-year clock rule with that? Well, yeah, that's income. You have to have a Roth for over five years or 59 and a half, whichever is longer, to receive any interest, income, earnings, growth from the overall account to have it worth to be tax-free. So if you were distributing dividends out, that would not fly. But he doesn't necessarily want to do that. He was thinking, hey, is this pro rata? Can I let the Roth dividends reinvest and grow in the Roth while I take my money from the IRA because I'm getting 10% from the IRA? Yes. So you could keep the Roth growing, which you would want to do, and then you could get your 10% out of your IRA. So it's not pro rata. So that's the difference between a 401k, if you have a Roth component and a standard component with the 401k, depending on the plan doc, is that it it might be pro rata. With a Roth IRA and an IRA, you can pick and choose. I mean, that's the whole beauty of tax diversification. Yeah, good good point. And then also the, um, he's got a, Roth 401k for about 10,000 bucks. And that, that doesn't start the five-year clock for a Roth. regular Roth IRA. So you want to start that right away to get the five-year clock running. Uh, another thing to think about is 
let's say, let's just say you are earning a 10% dividend, even in your Roth. Okay. You could pull out, you're over it's 59 and a half. In this case, say 63, you could pull out 10% of your, your balance, right? Be, even right after you do the conversion, the way the IRS looks at it is they, they have you take your principal out first and your income out second. So you don't have a problem with that because of the way the IRS looks at it. Now you yourself can think of it as your dividend, but the IRS is going to think of it as principal, right? Basically you end up in the same spot, right? But you're not going to have to pay uh, additional tax on that. So risky. This is pretty risky. It seems like it. Usually when you hear, you know, and some, sometimes people come to us and say, you know, I got a, I got a trustee from a contractor for 18%. Seems like a great investment. It's like, well, okay, well, that's the, the bank was, wasn't willing to make the loan at a normal interest rate. So they had to go to hard money or something like that, or, or the investors like yourself, they're paying a lot of interest for a reason. The same is true for dividends. There, there's some there's some risk there involved in the stock to get that kind of dividend. What happens to the stock price once they issue the dividend? It goes down by temper in this example, it goes down 10%, right? And <laughs> no, it doesn't. Not mine. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it does. <laughs> How many it, times have we heard that? Oh, I know. So I mean, let, let's just say you uh, uh, you you have a stock worth ten dollars. To make it super simple, right? And so you got a ten percent dividend. You got a dollar. And let's just say the market stayed the same, right? No market movement. The next day, your stock is going to be valued at nine dollars a share. Why? Because the company distributed some of its net worth. Yeah, capital. Right. <laughs> they, and so it gets subtracted from the value. That's the way capitalism works. So just be aware of that. It's uh, when you think you're you're kind of having your cake and eat it too on the dividends. You're actually every time you get a dividend, the stock price goes down. And sometimes people say, "Joe, Al, that's not true because my stock price went up." Well, that's because the market went up. Good for you. But that's not if the market had stayed flat. Your, your stock is is your stock was what it was minus the dividend. That's your new share price. Right. Well, I'm just going to keep on holding this because I'm going to get the, continue to get these dividends. Well, until they cut the dividends. Right. Yeah. Right. And that they're they're paying you 10 percent now to entice you to put your money in, which means there's some kind of risk here, right? Which means it may not be sustainable. So just just be aware of that when you when you hear things like this that sound too good to be true. There there are some strings attached and strings are usually the risks associated with it. Right. Uh, you know, when you're looking at a retirement income strategy, I think a lot of times people will think, all right, well, here, dividend paying stocks, you know, because, hey, I'm not going to sell the shares. I'm just going to receive the dividends. Um, it's just you have to understand the markets a little bit more. He, he's looking, you know, I guess he's reading um, what was it? Smart Seeking Alpha. Alpha. Seeking Alpha. Yeah. Swedro was on that and I mean, that's a good website. I like Seeking Alpha. Um, but just be careful. I guess you really need to do some more homework. If you're taking a seven, seven and a half percent distribution rate from your overall portfolio, you know, that's that's rich. And I think he's young, right? Yeah, well, no, he's, he's 63. Wife yeah, is 59. So, I mean, yeah, that's he's, that, that money's got to last quite some time. And yeah, typically at those ages, we would say, Four percent, four percent would be rich, right? Yeah, maybe three and a half. And he's at seven, seven and a right. half. Right. Yeah. Um, so he's bridging the gap to to Social Security, and he might think he doesn't necessarily need it. I'm going to tell him right now that yes, you will need that money because you'll probably want to get your your burn rate somewhere close to three and a half, four. You know. So, but I like the strategy. Great questions. Really insightful. 
with the pro rata rule, no, that doesn't apply to IRAs and Roth IRAs. Should he do conversions? Um, If he's taking that big of a distribution, he needs every penny he has. So if he did conversions, he's going to lose some of that brokerage account to pay the taxes on the conversions. And if he believes that his 10%, right? I mean, the RMDs are not going to matter anyway. But we'd like to look at first, what do you have? What is your cash flow need? And not take any more than 4 3% out of the portfolio. Then from there, we look at a tax strategy. And then from there, we look at how should all of this be invested? What he's doing is the opposite. He's picking investments that on the TDA yield reader shows a high income or income reader. He's like, well, look at this high income. So he's picking these investments and then he's placing them wherever he has excess cash. Feed me the dividend. Feed me the dividend. Right. And he's taking care of the rescue dogs, which is very sweet. But it's just done a little bit backwards of how I would look at it. I would first kind of make sure, do I have enough? What is my income need? What is my fixed income sources down the road? All right. And then from there, what is my tax strategy? How much should come from a Roth IRA versus non? versus whatever, and then go from there. Yeah, and I will, I will say one other thing quickly, Joe, and that is 7% distribution rate still might be okay if Social Security and or pension benefits are high, right? So you could have a stub period where it's higher. That can be okay, but you just got to look at that carefully. Yeah, I guess my whole thought process, if, if someone believes they're going to receive 10% per annum, I, I'll just be careful with that line of thinking. So- that's all. Yeah. Last chance to register. Find out how recent tax legislation and proposals impact you, your family, and your retirement savings. And understand the strategies that can help you reduce your tax liability as you plan for retirement. Register for our free end-of-year tax planning webinar with Pure Financial Advisors Tax Planning Manager, Amanda Cook Esquire, CPA. It's tomorrow, Wednesday, November 16th at noon Pacific time. Click the link in the description of today's episode in your favorite podcast app to go to the show notes, reserve your spot now, and download the companion end of year tax strategies guide. It's all free from Your Money, Your Wealth, and Pure Financial Advisors. We go uh, La Mesa, KP from La Mesa. Hello, Andy. Oh, Joe. Uh, this is KP from La Mesa. Love your show. I've been a loyal listener uh, for quite some time. I have an inherited IRA from a deceased spouse. I would draw $6,000. That's the RMD, and I transfer it to a Roth IRA every year. So she's taking an RMD, paying the tax, and then she's contributing that, or he's contributing that to um, Roth IRA. Um, that's valid as long as the KP has earned income. So using yeah. that, pay the tax, and then go ahead and kind of put it right back into the Roth. Yeah. And a point there, Joe, if you have to take a required minimum distribution, you cannot put that directly into a Roth, right? Right. You yeah. To, you you have, can't convert the, the you, that's right. You have, you have to pay tax on it, right? So now you got it in your taxable account or your checking account, whatever. Now, if you make earned in, enough earned income, if you have $6,000 of earned income, you could do a Roth contribution, right? As long as you're below the income limitation rules. So that's, that would be the step there. So you could, you can do that, but it's just, it's not a direct transfer. I also have an IRA of a hundred thousand dollars. I'm thinking about doing Roth conversions. I'm 55. My question is what's the difference between Roth conversions from IRA to a Roth IRA? Should I convert it now? Is there a limit amount to convert from IRA 
or should I wait until I'm 60 year old to convert? My AGI is a hundred thousand. Thank you. All right. I think maybe the question is what's the difference between a contribution and a conversion? Yeah, it's it's hard to say the way it's written. I'm not sure either, but maybe but, maybe we'll address both and we'll talk about why you'd want to do a conversion, I guess. Sure, because you cannot convert an inherited IRA, right? Correct. So KP's doing that right. You can't convert an inherited IRA, take the distribution, pay the tax on it, and then as long as KP's got income, make the contribution of $6,000. Right. So that's all good. So you, you can do that all day long as long as you have the earned income. The next question is, all right, hey, I'm 55. Can I do a conversion? The answer is yes. So you don't have to be 60 or 59 and a half to do the conversion. You can convert at any time, any age whatsoever. No problem. No big deal. So if you have this other IRA that's worth $100,000 and you want to start doing Roth conversions, you can. There is no stipulation with converting an IRA to a Roth IRA. There is stipulation with an inherited IRA going into a Roth IRA, which we discussed. So yeah, but the AGI is a hundred thousand. I guess the next question, Al, is is KP single or married, right? Well, good question. I assume single because she lost he or she lost uh, their spouse, right? Oh yeah. So we'll, we'll, let's go with that. So that um he or she <laughs> Since we don't know. KP. K KP. KP. I'll, I'll just say KP. Yeah, KP would probably be, I'm guessing with this standard deduction, maybe just at the bottom of the 24% bracket, because it's that's about 89,000, something like that. Um, or maybe the top of the 22. But anyway, if they, if uh, KP does a conversion, it'll be taxed at 24%. That's that's what it appears from the facts that we have. Then the question is, well, you could do that now. Is that a good deal right now? What's special about 60? Are you going to retire at 60? Is your taxable income going to be a lot lower? Maybe you'll be in lower brackets. Well, that's worth considering. Um, on the other hand, if you're going to be in this bracket for a while and being that the stock market is down, best time to convert is right now, right? Because any future growth, uh, the recovery, the market recovery will be in the Roth IRA. So thinking about it that way, it is a good time to convert, but it really depends upon what your income is going to be in different stages. You know, we know at age 72, you'll have to take a required minimum distribution. We know that by age 70, if uh, you have to take Social Security. If not, you can't take it as early as 62. Depends what your plans are. Depends what your income brackets are and all these different years to figure out how much you should convert and when to convert. Yeah, but the sooner you convert, the better in most cases. If your tax bracket is going to be the same. If it's the same, I agree. Yeah. Right, or it, let's say 22 to 24. Well, uh, okay, you I'll, I'll buy that. You get the compounding but... effect of tax-free growth and tax rates are going to go up at some point. So- you want to get it in there as soon as possible, you know, of course, and, you know, doing all your analysis. Yeah. Well, I mean, here's where it may not make sense is if you're in the 22, 24% bracket right now, and you're always going to be in the 12% bracket in retirement, then you wouldn't necessarily want to pay all that extra tax. So I think you, you do have to do the analysis to make sure, but, but let's just say your bracket is same or similar then I would do it all day. Uh, because the sooner you get it in, the better. And the market's down right now. You get that future market recovery in the Roth IRA and not have to pay tax on that. Yeah, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly there, Big Al. So. <laughs> um, all right. Well, thanks, KP uh, from La Mesa. I appreciate the question. 
that's it for us today. Uh, we'll see you again next week. Keep your questions coming in, folks. Show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. Help us coin a YMYW catchphrase and sunkissed in the derails at the end of the episode, so stick around. Your Money, Your Wealth is presented by Pure Financial Advisors. Click the Get an Assessment button in the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com or call us at 888-994-6257. Schedule a free financial assessment in person at one of our seven offices around the country or online at a date and time convenient for you no matter where you are. Chances are one of the experienced financial professionals at Pure will be able to identify strategies to help you create a more successful retirement. Pure Financial Advisors is a registered investment advisor. This show does not intend to provide personalized investment advice through this broadcast and does not represent that the securities or services discussed are suitable for any investor. Investors are advised not to rely on any information contained in the broadcast in the process of making a full and informed investment decision. We, we, we got to get a catchphrase, Al. We do. I, I thought so, you had boom. So, boom. I, yeah, I suppose I say boom all the time. But you do, but that's, show. that's a common. That, you have to Everyone do better took than it that. from me. <laughs> Is that what happened? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you started it, then that's okay. Maybe we start coming up with a whammy. <laughs> well, that was a whammy of a question. <laughs> Well, we kind of we do get, have the retirement spitball. That is something that YMYW is known for. Yeah, but we, I mean, we we need it like. But a, it's not a catchphrase. Yeah. Yeah. We need a catchphrase. Right. Yeah, we do. Well, you, you you remember you made that that spitball noise once? I think that should be your catchphrase. No, I don't remember. <laughs> I don't either. No. Well, Andy, why don't you think of our catchphrase? Well, oh boy, maybe, no pressure there. Yeah. Give it, give us some, give us some thoughts, and we'll practice them. If okay, we can, you got it. If we can stomach any of them. Yeah. I'm not going to say whammy. <laughs> you just Al, did. <laughs> I could just see Joe. Al, what do you think? Whammy. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to say that. You, Joe? It's too late. I got it recorded now. You're going to hear it all the time. <laughs> oh, my. I don't think so either. Oh, that's just so bad. Joe, Joe, what, what, Joe what do you think? Whammy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so bad. So bad. Oh, it's awful. <laughs> oh, it's funny, though. The, okay. the last thing you want is a CPA saying whammy. <laughs> <laughs> because it doesn't work. Kill uh, that one. Whammy! <laughs> oh, God. You know, um, here at the office, Big Al. Yeah. Sunkissed. When's the last time you had a sunkissed? I think probably maybe as a teenager. That was a while ago. Yeah. Were you, are you were you a sunkissed or orange crush guy? Hmm. I can't remember liking either one. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't drink a lot of soda pop, uh, but I saw that in the fridge. Yep. For, for old time's sake, you got it. You know? And and what, do you like, think? what do you think? What the hell? I'm going to have a little sun kiss. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm probably, probably going to be another 25 years. Is that kind of <laughs> one and done? Yeah, yeah. one and done. Um, little kids like that. Orange pop. Oh, I know. Great. Yeah. Uh, yep. Now you've got right. personal experience with that? Is that what you're saying? No. Um, I just remember it as a kid. I'd, I'd, I, would drink, I would drink that all day long. Got it. <laughs> 